This week, I learned that if you really want something bad enough, the cinema gods will deliver. There wasn't just one, but two films starring Weird Al Yankovic released this week. What? Weird on the Roku channel, wherever Roku's available. Mm-hmm. And he's a major character in Netflix, the soccer football movie. Right, I saw the soccer football movie appear somewhere and didn't know what the hell it was. But I had no idea. Me neither, but then I saw that he's a major part of it. I believe he's the villain. I haven't seen it yet, but now I will. I wasn't going to, but now it's like, well, fuck yeah, I am. I'm Kevin Matthews, and this week I have learned that I'm still actually pretty comfortable with the idea of working in shadows, smoking a cigarette and pocketing a small gun while I eye up enemies across the road. Because it's still November, baby. Hey guys, what's up? I am Tyler Hosley and I will be recording from another dimension this week. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I just have no Wi-Fi because we just got hit by another hurricane and uh, Florida sucks because now we apparently get hurricanes in November. Jesus Christ. Anyways, um, I'm sad I can't join Dave and Kevin tonight because I would love to stick up for Mope because I know they are going to hate it. But uh, you will get to hear my voice in recording form instead of live form. And this is Raiders of the Podcast. Yeah. I'm bleeding Florida and crazy hurricane day after tomorrow weather. I can't wait until my niece is like, 10, 12, going to set her down, uh, watch uh, the day after tomorrow, and look her in the eye and go, I lived through that. Don't fuck with me. <laughs> so I haven't been watching much, but I have been watching a few things. I'm still going through my binge of Nip Talk. I'm on season five, which I love the show dearly, but season five, once they move to L.A., is still the worst of the seasons. Uh, jumps the shark a little bit. Still fun. I love Nip Tuck, but uh, definitely the weakest thus far. Um, and besides that, I did watch Don't Worry Darling, which I really liked a lot, actually. Um, it's got a few script issues. It could have used another reworking, I think, but overall, it's beautifully shot. I love the atmosphere. Cast is really good. Florence Poe is amazing. Chris Pine is fucking fantastic. Chris Pine steals every scene he's in. He's wonderful. Um, it goes like super sci-fi in his third act, which I wasn't expecting. I really like Don't Worry Darling. It's not perfect. Like I said, it could use another uh, script polishing, but it's well-directed, looks amazing. It's got a good 50s soundtrack. I just I really dug it a lot, so I highly recommend checking that one out. I had a, a really good selection this week, I would say. 
there were some bad, but I'm going to skip over them. Be nice. I rewatched Assault on Precinct 13, the original, the John Carpenter film. It's, it's definitely, like, you know, he did Dark Star before this, but Assault on Precinct 13 is the first Carpenter film. Everything's in place, including his successful relationship with Deborah Hill, um, who, you know, I, I still say, if anyone wants to send me one of those a Deborah Hill production t-shirts, I am open to gifts slash bribery. But Assault on Precinct 13 is, is great. It's just simple. It's got every, yeah, I, I would say pretty much every hallmark of Carpenter's work already set there. And uh, the only thing that lets it down slightly is a little bit of varying quality in some of the supporting cast members. Uh, so, you know, there is that. And the fact that the the main guy uh, who plays the got a cigarette, got a light, uh, Darwin Johnson, I think he's just not obviously quite as good as some choices that uh, that Carpenter's worked with throughout his career, you know. But that's that's a high bar because a few of his uh, films have featured great roles for Kurt Russell, and you can't often pop Kurt Russell, really. Well, not without having to fight Goldie Hawn. Exactly. I mean, they will just they will just tag team and beat your ass. Uh, that's that's no good for anyone. I finally caught up Smile the horror that a lot of people have enjoyed this year. It's another really good one. It's been a really good year for horror, I would say. Um, because I keep forgetting that this year, I don't know if it was the same release schedule for you guys over there, but we had we had X and Pearl this year. Like, I keep no, it, X it was. was last yeah, no, yeah. X was like March. So, you know, that, that double whammy, uh, barbarian, uh, other stuff that, uh, will obviously have completely gone out of my head right now. Uh, they're, they're all good. But yeah, smile, smile sits up there alongside, uh, the, the better ones of the year. I really, really liked it. And actually, much like barbarian, it, it has effective superficial horror movie stuff that you want, and you know, it just delivers that. But it also has uh, interesting subtext uh, throughout and things going on that's, that make it sort of interesting to think about even more when the end credits are rolled. And it just... I think does enough to tiptoe carefully through material that gets at the very least quite thorny in the third act. Um, there are certain ways of reading things that happen in this movie that you could definitely definitely construe as being uh, hugely problematic. But uh, I think those who were making the film were dealing with uh, the idea of it as a, you know, it's a, a film about a supernatural curse and the the things that 
that is drawn to or that it's tied to uh, are worth exploration without it necessarily becoming sort of jagged real issue that um that yeah people might get a bit more hung up on but i think it should be given to people with a warning because obviously a, a factor of it is uh, suicide if you've seen the trailer it tends to be people who've seen a smiling figure and then there's a death slash suicide so it's definitely something to be a bit careful around, but it was a really good horror. Did you see Smile yet, Dave? Nope. I hated the trailer so much I decided to wait for cheap, cheap video. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Is there anything particular you hated about the trailer? Was it done sort of very similar? It just to looked like trailers? the most boring, obvious thing I've ever seen, and I went, "Nah, I'm good." Yeah. I'm good because, like you know me, the the one thing you angers me is if you just do the obvious yeah and that's all it did so and, uh, like i'm glad folks are like oh but it's better than that and i'm like is it surprising and they go no so it's like okay well yeah if, if they do the obvious well that's cool but i'm just kind of a little bored with that currently i'm not judging anybody think, that enjoys it i'm just saying for me i think i said i think you do the obvious well there are quite a few jump scares in there that are done well so I don't mind that if it's done well. Uh, there are things that would come up that's a minute or two beforehand, before the main reveal, I would be like, right, I know where this is going. But then, let's say, once it is uh, done, or as it's sort of... Uh, it's still sort of going towards the obvious, but it's... it's so the journey is quite good. And when you're thinking about what they've kind of packed in there, it's certainly better than it would appear on the surface. And I get that. I think the trailer for me looked like an effective trailer, but also looked like mainstream horror 101 trailer. But it was it was good. And there's certainly uh, one or two bits in there that I would say uh, would please fans of a certain... Uh, comic book artist a couple of images that feel reminiscent of someone that we love from Japan uh, a bit of Ito influence I think there so that's always cool Shimmer Lake have you seen Shimmer Lake? I have seen Shimmer Lake are you about to rant about Shimmer Lake? no no it it's not worth it. Yeah, it's just, it's, just, it's, it's there. Like the best thing, uh, the person who made Shimmer like did was gather together like a decent cast. And funnily enough, we mentioned uh, Kurt Russell. This is another good little turn from Wyatt Russell. I really like his uh, quite eclectic film choices. Uh, so it's always good to see him pop up. But yeah. I was ultimately a bit disappointed for it. It was bang average, as well as say. Ending with the double whammy of super strong movies, though, I had, I mean, I had a weekend double bill that was just, it was like an epiphany having these films wash over me. First was Deep Cover, which I know you probably wanted me to watch for a while. I got the Criterion Blue. I was ready for 
badass Lawrence Fishburne and sexy Jeff Goldblum to do their thing. It's brilliant. It's it's absolutely brilliant. I think Bill Duke directs it perfectly. The soundtracks jumping. The um, there are some shots in here that are just absolutely gorgeous, and it's well paced. It does hit you know quite a few familiar beats, but it also without grinding everything to a halt it circles back to a really really good message at the heart of it but just doesn't make the whole movie feel like a message movie but by the time the end credits roll and it's all sunk in you're like yeah yeah that was that was massively entertaining that was cool as an Eskimo's turd and that was just really worthwhile I have never said the phrase cool as an Eskimo's turd before. I don't know why that popped out in my head just now. Yeah, like, but really? Are you sure? Because that that's really came like changed me. quick to hand. <laughs> no. Uh, but after Deep Cover, I watched Blowout. Well, why weren't people pushing me towards Blowout before now? Like every day? Because Blowout's did. amazing. I did. Last time I watched did it, I was like, have know? you ever watched that? And you went, no. And I went, you should watch it. And you went, oh, okay. And then you moved on with your life. Yeah, I don't think you were as pushy as usual. <laughs> it's one of those things and that, you know, I misunderstood it because I thought Blowout was just going to be a remake of Blowup. I thought, why did I watch a film that's just a remake of Blowup, even if it's quite a good remake? Because I like Blowup. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but I, I really like it. Uh, Blowout you know, works along the same lines, but is also very, very different. And it's up there with the Palmer's best. It's absolutely superb. And the reason it's up there with the Palmer's best for me is I've always said how he works best when the material sort of matches his style, his, his opportunities to just go bombastic and show off and and that's great when things are working together. Blowout has that, but it also it also does it so smoothly that you you aren't slightly taken aback by anything. Like to to pick the obvious blockbuster, you watch Mission Impossible, you can have fun with it. But it was that set piece where he's hanging down from the ceiling and the wires. That was that was the amazingness that that was sort of the focus of everything. And you could sit by and be like, Wow, this is brilliant. The Palmer's firing all cylinders here. You watch anything else he does, whether it's uh, the excess of Scarface, whether it's the uh, pyrotechnics of Carrie and all that, and they're, they're great films. But blowout there were moments where I'm like, I don't even know how he's putting this together, but it's amazing. It's it's dazzling me. And then the next second, I'm just still sucked right back into the film mode. I'm only out of it for a split second. Like, this is amazing. But it's that consistent with the level of amazingness that you're sucked into the film. I think I could rewatch it probably ten times, 
easily and notice extra little bits of amazingness. Whether it's some of the performances, which are great as well, because I think Travolta is brilliant and legal. Nancy Allen is, she's playing ditzy and cute in a really likable, ditzy and cute way, and you're, you're rooting for her by the end. Dennis Franz, I don't want to be unfair to Dennis Franz, but did he ever have movie roles where he wasn't playing someone that seemed slightly sweaty and sleazy? Um, hold on, hold on, let me think. No. Because <laughs> maybe I'm just thinking of this, and uh, I forget which Psycho sequel it is. It's two or three. Who's in there? Um, it's two. It's two. Right. Did he ever do a film where he played the brother of Joe Spinell? Because that should have happened. No, but maybe in some other dimension, one of the better yeah. universes. That's what we need. And John Lithgow is superb as well. Like I think he's, I think he plays one of the great murderers in cinema here. He's, he's just brilliant. It's all, all amazing. You get a Pino Donaggio score. You get the visuals you expect. Obviously, you get the audio work going alongside that. The ending, like the ending, properly made me want to just stay seated for five minutes after the credits rolled so I could feel like I got my wind back and just fully process it because I couldn't work out if I if I felt it was something completely negative something spun into a positive it was a bittersweet mix it's just um, yeah it, it's a 10 out of 10 film and it's definitely right up there with the best of the Palmer. I'm sorry to go on about it, but I think, hopefully, if I can persuade others to give it a go, if they've avoided it for the same reason I did, just thinking it was a remake of Blow Up, then, you know, change that. It's, it's superb. That's me. I, uh, I watched some weird things, like a biopic mm-hmm. called Weird, The Weird Al Story, which is amazing. Like, like I, I don't mean that like, uh, haha, it's great. Uh, no, I mean, it's really fucking good. It is, like, so much better than I can just, dis- like, it is the best biopic thus far in the flood of biopics. Like, far and away. It's perfect. And uh, Radcliffe is perfect. And Evan Rachel Wood is perfect. And, I mean, you know, I, I guess Rain Rain Wilson's, you know, he's fine. It would be better if it was Patton Oswalt, but whatever. Not everything can be perfect, ever. Because the universe doesn't work. Like, if it was, then all of existence would just stop. And we were like, what the fuck? Because we floated in the void of nothing. But, you know, whatever. Go watch Weird. It's good. I might force you to watch that this week. Maybe not. I don't know yet. I watched Destroy All Monsters, the Godzilla movie, which I think is a blast. I mean, yeah, it does kind of drag with the alien stuff in the middle there for a bit. But 
Uh, the fight scenes are fun. It's good to see all the former, the previous kaiju joined together to whoop up on Ghidorah. I think it's the first Ghidorah. I might be wrong. But that's, it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's a blast. Uh, then I follow that up with the Terror of Mechagodzilla, which is the second Mechagodzilla film in the final Showa era movie of the Godzilla. And it's also the last one directed by um, Honda. And I've got a soft spot for that one too. And I watched Eve's Bayou. Eve's Bayou is great. Have you seen Eve's Bayou? You should have. No, but oh. you know I, I I only just bought the Blu-ray, which only just right. came out here the, in the UK about a week or two ago. Yeah, well, yeah, the Criterion. I think the Criterion edition came out this year. I have the Criterion edition. Mm-hmm. It has the director's cut, and the director's cut only has seven extra minutes, and those involve a character who is cut out of the theatrical cut, which totally changes everything about the movie, and it's even better. It's great. Like I. I don't know if it's even better. It's different. Like, it totally changes the meaning of the ending. So, like, I guess I do like the theatrical more, just just a little. I like the ambiguity of it instead of the, well, we'll never know because the person who knows the truth. Anyway, it's good. The director's cut is good. It's an interesting uh, counterpoint, but I don't think it's, like, I don't think it's like a, you should rush out and see the director's cut. You should just rush out and see Eve's Bayou. And whichever version you see, you're going to see a fantastic film with a very incredible cast. Uh, full of people who should have better careers still to this day. But, you know, there's reasons for that, I guess. Not good reasons, but, you know, stupid racist Hollywood reasons. Uh, you know, I did you read about this? Warner Brothers. Oh, I'm going to I'm going to narrow it down. <laughs> Warner Brothers sent a bunch of their um, makeup artists to school to learn how to do uh, darker complected people, and they were pushing this like this was oh this is a great thing. It's like well why the fuck didn't they already know that? Yes, it's good that they'll finally be able to do African American people's makeup, but. Like they're professional makeup artists, shouldn't they have already fucking known? Right, like for their job, they, they should have known, right? Yeah, and I remember hearing some. I don't think it was you. I don't think it was us talking on the podcast. It was some conversation about a film or a show where I heard people saying how they didn't. It was obviously shot by people. Who yeah, that was us. Was it? That was that was me and Anna talking about Stranger Things season yes. four. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, sometimes I remember some of the many wonderful conversations we've had on the podcast. But yeah, and, and you know, it's it's right. It's not something that um, I necessarily think of because a lot of the times, as well, when it comes to shows and movies. I'll often assume, even even in the cinema, I'll be like, right, they've they've shot this a bit, you know, you get the dark and murky shooting style. And I'm like, all right, they've just done that. But it was interesting, you and Anna both noticed that. Um, you're more observant than I am. But the way, yeah, I mean, the, the way they could 
shoot the black characters and it showed that they they just weren't shooting them as well as they could. And part of that, I guess, is also to do with the the makeup, the, the staff there, which should just be, yeah, I mean, you think everything should be at a certain standard. Well, I mean, that's just it. It's 2022. It's the tail end of 2022. It will be 2023 in under 60 days. And guess what? You should already know this. I don't think you deserve props for finally doing the bare fucking minimum. So, no, that's all. I was reading about that right before we started, and I was like, oh. It's just like, yeah, yay, but you should have, or like 120 years ago, you should have done this. I mean, I guarantee you, you know, I, I don't know if any stories will come out. I doubt they will, but there will be many occasions where probably African-American uh, and actresses from different uh, ethnicities will have probably just rather they've done a bit of their own makeup because being like, oh, I know what looks good. I'll sort this out. Well, they have no, that's actually that's pretty common yeah. where African-American actors and actresses have to do their own makeup. And bring their uh, own makeup in because profession. I this that's all. It's just it's like it 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 just it just ah you know like like I play up being angry at bad movies sometimes or just movies I don't like. But like this literally just like it it hurts my brain and and it makes me flashing pains and you sh don't get props for this Warner Brothers. You don't get props for this. No, I got, I got to say, I think they got the the makeup pretty much spot on on uh, the main character in Laquisha. Oh, <laughs> I think I think she, you know, and I telling you right now, she did her own. <laughs> you know, you know, she did, and that's like this is not like a ah uh, fuck. It's like every time I I, th I think like well maybe things aren't awful somebody does something like hey look we're finally teaching our makeup artists how to do Asian and black people and it's like really fuck it ruins it and we just had an election which ruined it too my local election made me very sad and I live in a pretty you know blue state in a very purple area of a blue state that went places I don't want to talk about. Rolling my eyes so hard. Anyway, this week, fuck, we watched the 1997 uh, neo-noir psychological thriller based on the best-selling James Patterson series, Kiss the Girls, and the 2019, uh, is it, is it supposed to be a comedy? Um, I think it's supposed maybe, to be a yeah. comedy. Like they, they play it like it's supposed to be funny, but it's not. So I, I wasn't sure. True crime film. Mope. I'll let you do the honors and pick one, Kevin. Uh, well, I was going to segue with the whole speaking of Blue State. We watched Mope, but. Well, then, you picked oh, no, Kiss the Girls. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I can, have to I can go with Kiss the Girls, don't I? Yeah. Well, no, you can do either. I'm. It's it's free. We can break the rules. Oh, that's crazy, right? Got to go with Mope because of my uh, now absolutely pointless Blue State segue. Anyway, Tyler's choice. 
And although I always wish him well, that son of a bitch not being here this week <laughs> to talk about one of his typical Tyler picks with us. God damn it. So, yeah, uh, Nathan Stewart Jarrett plays uh, Steve Driver. Kelly Stry plays Tom Dong. Is it just Stry? I think it's S-R-Y for his surname. Um, y- yes. Yeah. Yeah, let's okay. just say yes. Yeah, apologies if that's a mispronunciation, but uh, I, I think that'll be right. Anyway, the two of them are pretty hapless losers, so it would seem, and they meet while they're in the queue and join in on a big bukkake scene. If you don't know what bukkake is, uh, maybe don't Google it, but ask someone. No, if you don't know what it is, is, definitely Google it, just not at work. Yeah, don't don't Google it at work anyway. Um and I just check on that. Suffice to say, this film starts in a way that you can just watch the opening scene and think, Ah yes, I remember that Tyler picked this for Raiders of Podcast. That's all you need to know about that. So uh Tom Dong seems quite sort of calm and you know, strangely confident for for his position in this Bukaki scene, he helps Steve Driver, who then reacts in a kind of really over-the-top way, wanting to immediately be best friends and planning their life-slash-career together. That's what it feels like. There is some version of Moke that could easily uh, play out as stepbrothers too, essentially. Because I was waiting for one to turn to the other within the first three minutes and say, did we just become best friends? Anyway, they end up working for Eric Long, played by Brian Husky, who is a porn impresario. Uh, but he has a, a stable of actresses and actors. He has a, a unit with some different sets. But it's the low end of the market. And it is the... It's the stuff that other people wouldn't necessarily want to do. Uh, so Steve Driver and Tom Dong end up, they, they get, they get kicked in the balls. Uh, they get urinated on or involved in cuck scenes. There's a whole variety of other phrases I'm not going to mention in case you're still Googling. But, uh, suffice to say, they think they're becoming grand porn stars and they are really just schmucks. Uh, they are they are the mopes. So things are going to uh, you know, potentially lead to an unhappy ending for them. That's it. That's what we'll do. There's also a, I, I thought it was a, a fun appearance from David Arquette being a, a guy who comes off as a, a bit of a, a douchebag and he has fun in that role. I think the leads are they're they're okay, but the problem is the script is quite ridiculous. Like the, the writing for this is ridiculous. So it's directed by Lucas Hain, who also co-wrote the script, and there are story credits for a couple of people. So was this based on? Was this one of those films based on an article or a real life thing? 
Well, it was it was a real life event. It was bit more based off somebody told them about it. Right. Okay. Fourth or fifth hand, and they made it all up. So Michael Albo has uh, one story credit on IMDb anyway, and this is it. David C. Hill has a, a few shorts to his name as well, and then the story credit, like that's it. So they've got together. This is obviously the tale they wanted to tell the world. Why is beyond me. Um, to to date, it's the only film from Lucasfilm, and uh, I think I think it's kind of clear why. As Dave was saying earlier, is this a comedy? Like it's meant to be, I guess. Um, it just doesn't really work in that regard, though. It doesn't actually make you laugh. It doesn't. It, it doesn't ring the comedy out of the situation. And there is potential here to get comedy out of this, especially if they are deluded enough to cast themselves in the roles of stars. Well, it's it's Steve Driver more than Tom Dong who's really got all the self-belief. Um, so those leads are just hampered by, by that script. Like, it just hangs on them like wet overcoats. Brian Husky does a bit better. Uh, his, his producer character is just a better character in terms of having that mix of slight believability and potential sad sack comedy. Like he's trying to do his best at the low end of a a market with his business and uh, he's he's then still got these, I wouldn't say delusions of grandeur, but it's a, a pretense that there's still, there's still a player in this market where everyone else would generally tend to look down on them. There are a number of other people in the cast that uh, I'm going to assume there are a few real uh, adult entertainment performers, I guess. I don't know for certain. Although we do have a return appearance for Chris Cock. Remember when we last saw Chris Cock, Dave? Yes. Yes, I do. In fact, we have seen him maybe two times now. He was definitely in Pleasure. Uh, he was really good in that. And he might have been... Did Tyler make us watch that Andrea Palmer one? Yes. Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah. So I think he was in that as well. Like, there's... There's... There's an interesting premise here, and I... I thought there were moments that... that worked, mainly because of... Uh, I'd say mainly Nathan Stewart Jarrett sort of trying to provide the force of his personality in a way that was strong enough to, to beam out of the screen. He really is, um, he's, he's just kind of a, he's, he's like a bullet, but, you know, ironically, a dum-dum bullet. Uh, that's, that's who he is, so, 
you know that he's always moving forward. He doesn't really take notice of the way atmospheres can change around him. And you get the idea that at some point there's got to be a bad impact. That's what he does. And he's he's really good in that. Uh, there are a couple of scenes that work really well. I say other than that, the the real treat is is probably Brian Husky and the main role. But nothing else works as well. It doesn't have it doesn't have any kind of vim or just doesn't have the right energy, doesn't have the right tone because they don't know how to mix everything together in a fully satisfying way. It's a film made up of moments. It's, it's episodic. And I can see why Tyler would like a lot of this. But it doesn't add up to an entire satisfying sort of experience. It, it just doesn't. And, and there are weird things that crop up that just feel a bit too pointless. Um, kind of like Tom Dong's affinity with the tech and what he can do. I, I do get, like, there is a point to that in the way his character will go on a certain path, but it's not really shown enough. And at the start, there's the whole thing about Steve Driver's personal hygiene. And then that's there. And it's kind of used as a joke and then goes away, but pops up now and again when they want to make another joke that will push his buttons. I I just didn't get that. Like, I get it more if if it was established that he had an ongoing personal hygiene problem. I'm assuming at the start it's supposed to be that he was almost basically living in his car and he was trying to make do with having nothing, really. And that was taking a toll that we try to ignore while other people could smell him coming. But as the film went on, I, I assumed that was supposed to be done and then there were other moments where they brought it up to, to wind him up and I just, yeah, it, it didn't work. But see, there, there are good moments here. It's far from the most painful Tyler movie that he's given us. Um, I say that almost every other week now when it's a non-painful Tyler movie. But I know Dave hated it. So now it's time for Dave's rant of the week. Yeah, I hated it. Um, <laughs> well, the, the problem is that like this could have been an interesting story if they had any respect for the people or the, the story itself. But instead, they just kind of make limp, lame-ass jokes, and they keep making the same limp, lame-ass joke over and over and over and over and over, and it's never funny, and it never lands. And it, like, they, they'll, like, point out issues, like, in the industry, and then they'll go and use those same stereotypes in their next scene as the joke itself, and it's like, they don't know where they're coming from. This is very much the problem with the screenplay. Not only is the dialogue sub-porn level, like, okay, if they talk that way during the porn scenes, great, but they talk that way all the time. They keep repeating the, we're the Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan of porn. We're the Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan of porn. It's in every fucking scene. I get it. 
everyone doesn't have to say that to them. They don't have to say that to everything. This was apparently that line was just something said offhand by a fucking uh, reporter when the the real one of the real guys died. It's just it's just lazy like that. Uh, our, the cast I think does like the best they can, but there's no direction. It's terribly shot, terribly directed, terribly staged. Uh, it's it terribly written. Uh, the cast tries. Uh, Brian Husky's good with what he's given. He tries his best to make it work. Uh, yeah, Nathan Stewart Jarrett tries really hard and does fine with it. Tanya Cornelisi, who plays Tampa, is really good in her few scenes. But like the big problem is none of these characters are characters. They're all just a, a punchline. And this is very much set up like a character study. But then there's nothing in it except, oh, he's crazy. Why is he crazy? He just, because he, he is. He wants to be the biggest, so it's just, it's going to be a fantasy of it. It's not grounded. It, it, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Fuck it. And that's kind of the problem with the whole movie. It's just done so lazily with so little attention to anything. Now, I respect that they got their film done. I do. I just think that they could have done something so much more with this with a little, you know, like another pass or seven on the script. Or if they wanted to, you know, actually get a nice look for it. Or like anything, any little glimmer. I, 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 but there's nothing there. It's just not, it's just not good. And it could have been. And that's, you know, that's really the problem with it. It misses so far the target. But, you know, that happened. And we've, we've seen so many of these porn movies, you know, porn adjacent films that like, this doesn't really do anything that isn't done better in like the last seven Tyler picks, you know? I don't get why this exists. It's not good. They like they make it this weird obsession about a katana and then they change things in the story to make it make sense, but like why would this guy obsess over a kung fu movie? And and they kind of try to force you to identify with Someone who's really hard to identify with, especially because, again, they refuse to make him a character. He's just a cliche. And a lazy one at that. So, yeah, it's it's a miss for me. I, I didn't I didn't hate it, but I can't recommend it to anybody. I'm never going to watch it again. And, you know, like, if I ever meet the screenwriter or director, I'm just going to, like, look at him and go, why? Why not try to make something good? Because they, they didn't. They got money and they thought they had a salacious enough topic that it would carry it, and it doesn't. Like, Pleasure landed all these things so much better. Uh, what, what was the one we watched last week? Uh, Starlet. Barely touches on the porn stuff, but it's still, when it does, 
it has more cogent things to do with it. And that's ultimately the issue here. It's just, it's a nothing film that's not funny, it's not dramatic, it's just kind of there. And the whole time you're just kind of waiting for something, and it gives you nothing. Yeah. I mean, even wanting the, uh, the character played by Brian Husky to be played by Jason Lee, or was that just me? Oh, that, you know, I, I actually thought Brian Husky was the highlight in it, but yeah, that would have, like, I think Jason Lee would have been better as, um, David Arquette's character. Yes. But when Husky appeared, I, I thought, I was like, is that Jason Lee or is it, <laughs> is it some relation to Bruce Dern or he looked familiar to me in a different way. I was like, who is that? Yeah, he was, he was great. Uh, I just, it, it was my mind trying to make these connections. Uh, but you're right. Yeah. Jason Lee could have done the arcade. I think the arcade that was fun, but it could have absolutely been someone else in the whole hell. Hasselhoff could have done it. Oh, Hasselhoff. See, like, Hasselhoff would have been hilarious. I, the problem with the David, and it's not, you know, it's not David Arquette. It's the fact that I don't think Arquette's, he needs to be a bigger, more aggressive asshole than he is. And maybe, maybe Arquette doesn't have it in himself to do it on camera. He just kind of falls short. And he's obviously a, a dude that's just enjoying himself on the set for a day and screaming abuse. Yeah. But it doesn't come out. You know, it, that's the, the problem where like the director needed to get him to be more targeted and vicious. And instead it's just kind of, you know, it's just, it's like a offhand in, it just doesn't jive with what they're going for. And it's a director failure or a screenplay failure or well, both honestly, I loved Mope. I get what Dave was saying when he said I might not dig this one because he knows me well. Dave knows me well, and he knows I'm a very porn-positive, very sex-work-positive person. I like when films shine a good light over pornography and sex work in general, but at the same time, I also really like movies that demonize the industry as well because not everything in every industry is positive. Uh, this movie did something to me that very rarely happens. I felt like I needed 10 fucking showers after watching this in the best possible way. It's got such a nasty, gross vibe to it, and I fucking loved it for that. The headquarters they stay at is just disgusting. The walls are filthy. The people are gross, which fits with our leads perfectly. It's got a pain and gain-like tone, meaning that it starts super comedic, darkly so, and then that third act just takes a drastic tonal shift into just bleak misery super quick. The cast is really good. Both leads are great. Uh, David Arquette has a small role, but he's really good in it. But yeah, I uh, I definitely was a big fan of this one, guys, and I knew I was going to be when the opening scene is a, a fucking bukkake. So yeah, it's great. Uh, I love Mope. If it was a 2022 film, it would be in my top five of the year. Great stuff. I went with the 1997 uh, American Neo-Noir film starring uh, Morgan Freeman, Ashley Judd, and Carrie Elwes, directed by Gary Felder, from the James Patterson bestseller of the same name, Kiss the Girl. 
when DC detective Dr. Alex Cross's niece is kidnapped from her uh, from her college, he finds a serial killer investigation in full swing. Casanova has taken several women prisoner, and a few of them have shown up dead in the woods. When one of his, when one of Casanova's women escapes, Alex and Kate join forces to capture the romantic killer. Um, Kiss the Girls is okay. Like, it has it has issues, but Freeman's really good as Alex Cross, and Ashley Judd is solid as Kate. Carrie Elwes just cannot do that Southern accent. Like, he he cannot do that Southern accent, and he just sounds. Well, I don't know what he sounds like, but it, it ain't like a southern man. It's like I do. And I sound like a bad Looney Tunes cartoon character. I sound like a bargain basement and slightly drunk Foghorn Leghorn. And that's how Kara Elwood sounds, boy. But... You know, he has moments that aren't terrible. Uh, Jeremy Piven's in it as not a creepy killer. I never understood why Jeremy Piven didn't play creepy killers more often. The man reeks of skis. Is that just me? Am I the only one that reads that? Every time I see him, I go, ew. Wait, what? Jeremy Piven. Little skeevy. Oh, right. Um, I tend to like Piven on screen, but I, you know, he's, um, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's problematic now too, isn't he? Uh, I, I think. think so. Uh, Brian um, Cox but... is wasted. Bill Nunn is wasted. There's like a four second cameo from Tatiana Ali. And, you know, I, I, have I seen her in anything outside of, uh, this and Fresh Prince? I, like, I really can't think of anything. I, I, I wish I could, but, like, I am drawing an absolute blank. I think she's in Crocodile Dundee, too, like, as a, a little, little kid. As far as I know, that's all I can think of. There might have been something. I think she was on she's Sesame Street few, when I watched it as a kid. She's in a few Christmas movies uh, that you've obviously managed to avoid so far. Is that a threat? I'm just saying. You know, uh, life is full of many Christmas times. That's all that's, I'm saying, Dave. That's true. IMDb tells me Mina Savari's in it, but I didn't notice her if she was. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't notice her either. I don't know if she was one of the the victims that were maybe sort of in the shadows. I guess. Uh, Alex MacArthur is a little wasted and also does not have the most convincing Southern accent. 
I mean, you know, overall, I don't, I don't dislike it. It's, it's not the best of the late 90s, early 2000s Ashley Judd and Trouble movies, but it's, I think it's the first one I can think of. It's the first one I remember seeing in theaters. And, you know, for, it's fine for what it is. It could be like 15 minutes shorter. There's, there's a whole lot of just like filler in that second act. Like, like a whole lot of filler in the second act. And the, the ending's a little rushed. But yeah, it's, it's a, it's a solid little thriller. I mean, you know, it's against Mope, so obviously, obviously it's going to win because Kevin and I are both reasonable human beings to some standard. A low standard. Well. Dave is going to be totally shocked when he hears this, guys. But I've actually read the book, Kiss the Girls, and it's faithful to its source. Very faithful, actually. Um, I've always really liked the film version of Kiss the Girls, too. I know it's a total by-the-numbers 90s serial killer movie, but I've always really enjoyed those. Uh, stuff like The Bone Collector and Copycat. Along came a spider, Twisted, which also had Ashley Judd in it, and I highly recommend that movie. Twisted is massively underrated. Good stuff. Uh, Freeman and Judd are both great in this. Freeman is still one of the best actors to portray Alex Cross on screen thus far. He's great here. It has a really solid, dark atmosphere. I really like the score a lot. It, it won't change your life, but if you're into the Sounds of the Lambs and Seven-style serial killer movies, you really can't go wrong here. It's predictable, yes, but it's carried by a really good cast. It's super well made, and it moves at a nice breezy pace. I highly recommend Kiss the Girls because it is pretty fucking awesome. It's not that it's not that this is a bad film. I was just really bemused when you picked it. Like I still can you <laughs> tell me why you picked it? I still don't get it. Oh, I, I, cause it, like, I don't know, it popped into my head and <laughs> Tyler and I talked about the Ashley Judd late 90s thriller renaissance and, you know, that, I mean, that's, that's literally why. Okay. Right. It set the stage um, for Ashley Miss next month. I'd seen this a while ago and I couldn't, you know, remember much. I remembered the ending, so there was, uh, you know, no surprises here for me. But then again, I don't think there were any surprises there for me when I first watched it. You've, you've pretty much said everything. It's very standard. It's very by the numbers. It has, um, Carrie always being Drunken Falcon Leghorn. It's, it's, I guess it's perfectly fine for what it is. I don't think I've read any James Patterson, uh, James Patterson, uh, books. So I'm assuming they did, I mean, they've done a few now, but they did well, this they, one and along came a spider, didn't they? Yeah, and, Freeman. and, right, and cross with, um, Tyler Perry, and well, you know what yeah. really caused me to pick this? Amazon just announced a new Alex Cross series with uh, Aldous Hodge, Aldous Hodge, I think, is who's playing the character in it. 
Right. And I, yeah, that, you know, that's what kicked it all off. Okay. So when you find yourself watching Double Jeopardy next month, it's, it's right. all on uh, Bezos and Aldous Hodge. But they've not, um, you know, although I don't think they're very memorable um, from from what I can gather. Like I've, I've never wanted to rush out and see the other ones. And I've seen this one once and can't remember it much, but it was okay. I'm assuming... I don't think any particular version so far has been a, a massive disaster either. Uh, no. Considering, you know, Patterson's huge fan base with the books he writes, that's, that's obviously not a bad thing. Like, they did enough to keep everybody generally happy. It's done. It's made some money and, you know, they can keep trying. So that's, that's fine. The the screenplay is just it it feels like what it is because I believe it's the first screenplay from David Class who wrote this and I think where you and I would think maybe some runtime could be cut down that's probably someone who was worried about how much we're going to pare down the source material. Yeah, but the thing is, the stuff that they did cut would have been better to keep in. Right. Like like in the book, uh, Kate and Cross have a relationship. You know, they're having sexy times. It informs Ooh. the characters, but here, well, it's the late 90s. We can't have an African-American gentleman having sex with Ashley Judd, can we? No. No. Um... <laughs> Direction's perfectly fine. Like, it's all by the numbers stuff. The most fun to be had is is with the cast. And you've already said, you know, Cox doesn't get enough time near this Bill Nunn. Uh, Tony Goldwyn, I like. He's the one. See, I thought you said Jeremy Piven was some wannabe killer. I thought you were mixing no, him no, up. No, 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 no. I said he Goldwyn. should be Sorry. killers more often. Oh, he should be. Because oh, he's I a see. skeevy, creepy little sweaty guy. Right, yes. And. Um, and that way, uh, you aren't incorrect with that observation. <laughs> but Tony Goldwyn does uh, good in that role as well, being followed about by people and looking very dodgy. Like you, I didn't spot some others that are supposed to be here. As I say, Mina Savari, I'm assuming she was maybe like in a room somewhere uh, because you would normally spot her a little bit easier. Um, but I don't know. There's a, a cameo from the awesome Billy Blanks. Did you get your table on for a couple of minutes, Dave? I made jokes about Billy Blanks. Well, that's fine then. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, do you want to hear my jokes about 90s mediocrity and VHS sales? Because that's, that's what I got. I will save them for the, the next Billy Blanks feature nice. cover. Because <laughs> he's, he's got a few that I'm sure Craig will probably make us watch at some point. Um, I, I like Judd's, you know, um, she's, I've not seen many films where she has a lead role because she did quite a few films like this that were, you know, 
just perfectly adequate entertainment with nothing particularly wrong, but nothing that would appeal to me. Like the the tension isn't ratcheted up enough. I know there isn't going to be anything too nasty or gory. It's it's all quite obvious. But you know, Judd has always been someone that I will happily watch in a film. And, and so she she was a plus in this. And Morgan Freeman is good as well. You know, it's it's got good leads and it's got decent support. Even if you have to tune out Carrie Ellis and his dubious accent, he just at least gets to raise an eyebrow now and again and give the Carrie Ellis look, and that can remind you of the Princess Bride for a moment. You can fly away to Fantasyland and then you come back to watch the rest of the film. So that's alright. It's it's perfectly okay. I just spent the runtime bemused as to why you picked it. I was like, why did Dave have this sudden burning desire to make us watch Kiss the Girls? Considering all the films we've gone through while doing the podcast, and this is the one that puzzled me the most because he chose it. Eventually, there'll be more... Half my picks are just random in the moment. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate you didn't randomly go for Along Came a Spider, because then I would have been re-watching Kiss the Girls anyway. So what happened to that? Uh, okay, it's it's time to pick one, and you know what? Actually, I think at the end of the day, both these films have the same issue. Neither one has a director who has a firm grasp of the material, or thinks the material strong enough to carry it. That's the problem with Kiss the Girls and all the filler, and that's the problem with all the f- jokes that don't land and the bullshit non-characterizations in Mope. So, you know, I can blame directors. I usually blame the director, honestly. But it's time to pick one. And, and for me, it's it's Kiss the Girls. I mean, like, without any hesitation. Just for the milk splash at the, at the end? Oh, man, I cracked up. Well, for me, it's also Kiss the Girls, but I did, as I say, I did enjoy Mope. Like, it was closer than I expected, especially when Tyler told us the title of his choice and when I started watching it. And if, yeah, if more had been done with Mope in terms of stringing the moments together and getting the tone right and just, yeah, I think as you said, with the script, maybe just being written with more of a sure hand, it just just locking that in. That could have been a lot better. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's Kiss the Girls just has more professional aspects that are correct. Yeah, and I... there's faint praise of everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but both these movies have a better version somewhere. Yeah. That, you know, I I probably won't live to see or I won't bother seeing when they do it. That's a lie of prime does this is the first season of the Alex Cross show. Yeah, fuck yeah, I'm going to watch it. Oh, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Uh, but next week, it's it's me and you picking, and I'm going uh, with something that you should appreciate. I'm going to help you along your noir journey. Oh. I'm going to pick a film from one of my favorite filmmakers. A noirish little Hong Kong flick. 
from Johnny Toe. Throwdown. Throwdown. Hmm. Well, I'm going with something that will pair nicely with that, but in a completely non-noir way, hopefully. Uh, I'm going with 1986's Writing Wrongs. That was actually, that was my other choice I had in mind. When he started speaking, I was like, oh, I hope he doesn't go for Writing Wrongs, because I'm settled <laughs> on that now. I was sitting here and I was I was like eeny meeny miny mo in my head. <laughs> Some like, more rough rock action without the croquet. Nice. Uh, do you have a pick for the special? Um, I think I do. Yes, if we haven't covered it. So it's um. 90s erotic thrillers, isn't it? It's just erotic thrillers. You don't have to stay in that decade. Oh, I thought we had to stay in that decade. I No, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, but anyway, let me just have a quick look and see if we've covered it. Because I want to go for 1998's Wild Things. No, we haven't. We've talked about it. We've threatened it. But we well, have not actually. We're doing it. Now is the time. Oh, yeah. Man, T's going to explode. I know. He's going to have such, a, such a, a tough decision to make at the end of the month. We're like, next week he'll be all fine and then he'll be dead. We'll start recording, and he's just—we'll just hear this pop. Yeah. Just like, and then this like balloon letting out air, and we'll hear you know Rob Zombie, and you know because that, that's his rosebud. I would just push him over the edge and pick something like Sliver. Oh <laughs> shit! It's see now that's <laughs> now. I was going to go with Bound, and he picked it. And I was going to go with Wild Things, and you picked it. So now I need, like, a perfect companion to just... Let's break Tyler. Oh, what could it be? What could be the third film to break Tyler? It'll come to me. Don't worry. In the meantime, you can reach us on our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter still. No. No, does the Twitter is the Raiders Twitter gone? I wasn't sure. Yeah, sorry. I well, that's fine. I, I had to I had to go and get out while the building had an exit door available. No, hey no, that makes sense. Uh so on our Mastodon, which we'll put on the Facebook page soon. Ooh. Yeah. Uh any of you know, you can leave a message on our blog spot, uh write uh, review on any podcasting platform of your choice and if you really need to get a hold of us and want to you know force us to do terrible cinematic damage to ourselves you can email us at raiders of the podcast no raiders yeah yeah raiders of the podcast at gmail.com i totally like i was like is that the one that's raiders of the pod no it was the 
Twitter, which is gone now. Yeah. See, that threw me off. I'm sorry. I do know where you can reach us, and it's Raiders of the Podcast at gmail.com. See, now it's going to take some getting used to. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining me, Kevin. Go, uh, yeah, go watch both. Fuck it. If you're, if you're going to do one, you might as well do both. And you can email us and tell us that we're, we're horrific for saying that. I'd and... kind of be interested to receive an email from someone else out there who is genuinely Tyler's cinema soulmate. If, if they've fallen in line with all of Tyler's choices, I mean, this is basically the perfect podcast for him because he's picked about two and a half months in a row. Yeah, he he had eight, nine consecutive weeks of Tyler. God. Yeah, it was, but you survived it. And I'll Just. talk to you next week. See ya. Pop, pop, say, 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 say